0: Wants to speak to us romans chapter 4 verse number 18 who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead his body was dead but it's a figure of speech of course he was still alive but when it came to the promise that god was given him his body was now dead When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promises of God, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded, we're going to read down in verse 25, but verse 21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed. Watch this. It wasn't written for his sake alone. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen. You know, when we were children, there was a song we used to love to sing. I I didn't grow up in church or Sunday school. We didn't learn. I didn't get a chance to learn all of these Sunday school songs. But there was a song we used to sing. These are a few of my favorite things. Remember that song? Raindrops on roses. (laughs) Whiskers on kittens. Something like that. I want to talk to you about one of God's favorite things. I talked about one of them last week about broken things. God loves broken things. But God also loves barren things. And I want to talk to you about that today. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that's already in this house that has spoken to us, that has ministered unto us. I ask you now, Lord God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, your word would speak give us wisdom give us the knowledge lord jesus and let our faith rise that it would not stagger through unbelief but bless us we pray anoint your servant and the people of god in jesus name amen amen would you clap your hands one more time (laughs) praise the lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever amen praise god thank you for standing you may be seated Mrs. Rosanna Della Corte, Italian woman born in 1931, gave birth to a baby boy on July 18, 1994, when she was 63 years old. The baby was conceived through artificial insemination using donor's eggs, but she became known as the oldest woman to be a mother. and how many of you 60 year olds can imagine having a baby right now this was similar in fact just a little bit short of what God had promised to Abraham and Sarah that at the age of 75 God calls this man Abram at the time to leave his kindred his father's house his home and uh God calls him to leave his house to go to a new land, a new place. A place that he didn't know where it was, he didn't have any familiarity with it, to leave the comforts of his own home. But he is at 75 years of age, well past retirement. Perhaps God made a mistake. Perhaps he. He got the wrong address. It was somebody else. But then in Genesis chapter 12, God gives him this promise. In verse number 2, he says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And this is one of the incredible promises we find in God's word. He says, I will bless them that bless you, curse him that curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abram, the Bible says, departed as the Lord had spoken unto him with his nephew Lot at the age of 75. At 75, really a, a father? I wonder what, what he was, what Abram was, was thinking. I think he must have thought, perhaps, God, I think you got the wrong guy. You want to start... To bless this world, there's probably somebody else a little bit more qualified, somebody in their 20s, somebody whose womb is fertile because Sarah's has not been able to conceive in all of those years. To make matters worse, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. It's worse because to begin with, Abram, the name Abram means high father, <laughs> and yet he had no kids. Then he changes it from Abram to Abraham to call him the father of multitude, of the multitude. This must, this might, I, for some people, this may be some kind of a joke, like, like you would call, you know, a big guy skinny, <laughs> or you would call a, a skinny guy muscle, you know, my... Uh, uh, Joaquin's pop always calls him muscles because he's so skinny. He loves that. He'll just flex his arm. (laughs) But that's, you know, it was almost like sarcastic. Yeah, we're going to call you the father of the multitude of people. And yet, they couldn't even have children. But the Bible says he believed in hope against hope. That means... That there was no good reason to hope because of the present circumstance that he found himself in. He was old. The desire to procreate was perhaps all but gone. Uh, The the, the faculties, the instruments probably weren't working anymore. The Bible says the body that was now dead. When there was no good reason to believe and to have hope, uh, he, he had hope. He hoped against hope. There was nothing in his story to indicate that, that he could have any children. But the voice of God says that I have chosen you not by virtue of your strength or your abilities, but I have chosen you because of your lack of strength and ability to have children. God could have chosen anybody, but he chose this old man and old woman to be the progenitor For an entire race of people. The Bible tells us that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The weak things of the world to confound that which is mighty. I submit to you ladies and gentlemen. That one of the favorite things that God chooses is not only the broken things. But he looks at the barren things. Somehow God has this obsession. God has this desire, this infatuation, if you will, to, for the lack of a better word, for those things or that which is barren. He could have chosen the most virile young couple that he could find. He could have chosen somebody that was in their prime, somebody that, that had uh, all of the abilities, the desires were all there. But no, when God says, I'm going to start a new nation, I'm going to create a new people for myself, let me see who I could find. So he goes into the nursing homes. He goes into the old people's houses and said, let me see, who is the most uh, unable here? And he picks the 75-year-old to begin to start a new people for himself. Can I tell you that this is what draws God? He's not, again, so much enamored by our talents. He's not blown away by our strengths and our abilities. But when God begins to do something, he looks for that which is barren. He looks for that which is impossible. He looks for that which man has already discounted and thrown away and said, that's an impossibility. I've come to tell you the kind of God that we serve, amen, he is drawn by barrenness and everything emptiness and that which seems like there is nothing. I've come to preach to somebody here today, whatever your circumstance is, if it is broken, if it is barren, if there's emptiness, if there's nothing, you open the cupboard and it's simply empty. I want you to know that you are the perfect candidate for your God to perform a miracle. He looks for the barren. He looks for those that can't do it. He looks for those that don't have the ability. God is looking for you if you look at your own life and there's nothing there. You are exactly who God is looking for. Oh, I wish you would clap your hands and begin to praise him. If you see the lack, if you see the emptiness, if you see what you don't have, it's exactly who God is looking for. Hallelujah. God is somehow enamored by this. He chooses Hannah to give birth to Samuel, a woman that couldn't have children. He uses Samson's mother. He always looks for the baron. He goes to Gideon's house. The smallest tribe out of the 12 tribes of Israel, the one that's hiding behind the threshing floor because he's afraid, God's looking. He's not looking for the muscles. He's not looking for the talent. He's looking for the weakest in the lot. He's looking for the weakest in the bunch. And when he decides he's going to come into this world, he goes to a 16-year-old a virgin womb and says, I'm going to impregnate you by virtue of the Holy Ghost to bring your redemption to this world i've come to tell you one of god's favorite things is the barren it's when you have lack when you don't have that's exactly who god is looking for hallelujah god has chosen the foolish things of the world he said not many noble there's not many noble in this house today not many mighty that's what that's what my friends used to say when I became a Christian at the age of 19. Turn my back on the world, drugs, party, and all that. And my friends would tell me, You know, you know, stand. the only reason you're in church is because you're too weak. You couldn't make it in the world like us. You're not as strong as us. And I used to think about that. I think, Yeah, man, you know, that's maybe I am just using Christianity as a crutch. But then I came to realize, Now, hang on a minute. When I read my Bible, God always chooses the weak things of the world, He always chooses that which is fallible. I, I, I said, Thank God. God, I was weak in the world. Thank God, I was down in the dumps. I was at the very bottom of the barrel because only then would I look up to heaven and say, "God, I need you." Can I tell you here today, no matter where you are, well, regardless of how bad it seems, that's exactly where God can meet with you. Oh, hallelujah! Thank God we were weak. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. He always chooses the barren. He chooses an old couple to start a whole new nation of people. When Samuel came to, he came to anoint a new king because Saul was, was backslidden he goes to the house of Jesse, and I can just imagine the household of Jesse. The, the servants quickly tell Jesse, Jesse, the, the, the old man's coming. The prophet's coming. You, be, uh, oh no, they all kind of get a little bit scared, right? A little bit like when the pastor calls you up, says, "I need to come to your house." I go, what have I done? Have I been paying my tithes? Here comes Samuel. He's riding on on, on his donkey. And Jesse looks and sees him from far away. Okay, guys, clean up the house, get everything ready. Oh, I think we're in trouble now. Samuel gets in the house of Jesse. He said, Jesse, I've come to anoint one of your sons, one of your boys. And Jesse, all of a sudden, that 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 worry turns around. It changes. And he said, Oh, okay, well, this is interesting. He says, God's gonna have himself a new king. So so Jesse presents all of he's got eight sons. He presents the first seven boys, Eliab, Abinadab. Then shema, each one come before the prophet, and each one the prophet after, looking at them says, no, that that's not who God has chosen. And he goes through seven sons, all of whom are grown, are adult. they they've got pecs, you know. Maybe they got abs. I don't know. They've got they got uh, biceps, you know. Perhaps the veins are popping out. And and so Jesse says, is that it? Do you have any more boys? Do you have any more sons? And and Jesse said, yeah, I do. But but he's out of the sheepfold. Nobody, you know. He's He's just a he's ruddy he's just a a pipsqueak he's just a teenager and said samuel said well i'm not sitting down until you bring that one they didn't even invite david to the party they didn't even d- invite this young man to come for the anointing because they weren't even he wasn't even in their minds to be considered and so they brought a david and says this is the one he said you got to understand man looks at the outward appearance but god looks at the heart he looks at the potential he looks at the spirit of the man. Can I tell you, it's not about your talent or abilities because if you got nothing left, if there's nothing to boast of in your life, but there is inside of you a spirit to say, yes, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm telling you, God will perform miracles. He'll perform wonders. He'll intervene in your life. You got to get a right spirit. You got to get a right heart. You got to get a mind that says, yes, Lord. God always chooses the most unlikely, the most unlikely candidate to perform his will. The smallest one. They, They didn't even consider him. God chooses you warts and all. If you find yourself today in a situation where life is barren, you are exactly who God is looking for. God wants to use you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 in our text today, it says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's the reason why God has this obsession with the weak, with the barren, with the empty, is because when we are full of ourselves, again, I think I talked about this last week, we we have a tendency to to sort of turn inward and, and take credit and glory for ourselves. But that's why he he picks the lowest, the most unlikely. Because when people look at that and say, how in the world could that person get their life together? How in the world could that person be used of God? How can this drug addict be put on a pulpit to preach? God, God, when he's looking for a candidate, the more unlikely you are, the greater the glory that God gets for your life. Uh come on some you got you got to start praying some impossible prayers don't just pray for things that you can get because when you pray for something that you know you could get you can sometimes get the glory but you've got to stop praying some bold prayers some prayers that you know it's impossible for you to fulfill yourself you got to pray some prayers that God gets the glory when they look at you they say there's no way he could have done that by himself he must have had some help oh yes you gotta pray for some impossibilities like that song we sang earlier he makes the impossible possible he makes that which is so unlikely his glory to be revealed hallelujah hallelujah remember the angel the angel told mary said you're gonna have a baby she said i've not known a man i'm a virgin there's no way he said listen mary with god nothing is impossible now we we take that to mean that uh, god can do anything but if you could, could just sort of reverse those words and understand that if there is nothing and god is in nothing then that nothingness will not remain it it will be impossible when God is in there, there cannot be nothing. If God is in the midst of you, something has to happen. It's, there's got to be a possibility because nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. You say, well, I've got nothing. Well, that's if you got God, then that's impossible. God has to do something. You can't have emptiness or barrenness because nothing is an impossibility with God. Can I talk to somebody right now? If you've got nothing in your life, no job, no house, no car, no family, no wife, no husband, you got to get God into your life and nothing will turn around. Something has to Happened. Hallelujah. It's all about his glory. If you've got nothing, impossibilities are merely an avenue for the miraculous. Now, I'm not saying we can't see the miraculous in our everyday life. In everyday circumstances, absolutely, life on this planet itself is a miracle. Oh, here I go again, going to apologetics. <laughs> I get myself into trouble because I can't even finish it. Love you too. But Adam, nothing is impossible with God. Even living on this planet. You know what scientists have discovered? They've discovered that, that, that the laws of the universe is, is on, a, on a very, very tight constant. It's a measurement. Like the, the law of thermodynamics, the law of gravity. The law of gravity that keeps us all down on this earth. Scientists say that it, it, it's, 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 uh, it's finely tuned, what they call the fine-tuning of the universe. The universe is so finely tuned in all of these laws that if you move like, like you know, the dial on a radio, those old-style radios... You turn the dial, I don't know if you young people know what that is. There's a needle that goes up and down on a frequency. You turn the dial. You go, what's that? It's not, that's not on Spotify. That's... <laughs> they say that the law of the universe, that, that the, for example, the law of gravity, is, it's like on this dial the length of the universe. And the law of the, the the law of gravity, gravity itself is so finely tuned on a particular frequency on the radio that if you move it one, you know, when you just move that frequency a little bit, it just becomes distorted. There's a noise. They said if you move the law of gravity one way, as less stronger than what it is, we would begin to float in the air, and, and all of these all of these gases and all that that, that helps us to breathe wouldn't, wouldn't be able to stay, and we would die. But, but if you moved it the other way, a little bit stronger, all of these toxic gases would come down and, and, and we would be a lot heavier and we, we would be able to hardly move, but then we would also die of poisoning from these toxins. So the question scientists ask is how is it when you've got to dial the length of that, somehow the law of gravity somehow seems to fall on that right measurement. How is that possible? If it's accidental... Like throwing a dice. Remember, throw a dice. And you got the possibilities, the length of the universe. How is it that it lands on that one tiny frequency that makes life on this planet possible and didn't land on any other frequency? There's only one logical explanation for that. The only logical explanation for that, brothers and sisters, is that there was a mind behind the laws of the universe who put it there in the first place. Can I tell you that's what the Bible says? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said there was darkness on the face of the deep. And the Bible says that God said, let there be light. Can I tell you today, we are not believing in superstition. This is not just a bunch of weak people come together in community. You are the smartest people in the world because you choose to believe in a God who's evidence is everywhere oh hallelujah come on if this this whole world abandons us if you walk out of here i still believe i'm not gonna stagger at the promises of god god's word is still sure it's the promises that i stand upon hallelujah hallelujah So there are no excuses. Romans 4 19, he says, and being not weak in faith. He says he wasn't weak in faith. He didn't consider, he considered not his own body now dead. In other words, his libido wasn't only zero. It was minus 10. If that's even possible. His body was now dead. He had no desire. He had no physical ability. We're all here, we're all adults here, right? Kids are up in Sunday school. <laughs> Neither yet, he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. I remember when I, I grew up, we lived in Sri Lanka for about a few years when I was about 13, but from the age of 13 to 16. And, and my my stepfather, my mean stepfather, not this one, this is my father. My first, he's good. (laughs) He, he made, he didn't want me to get lazy. So in our school holidays, okay, you young people, if your school holidays is composed of playing video games and watching Netflix all day, you, my school holidays, I had to, I had to build a vegetable garden in the backyard. That was my school holidays. He didn't want me to get lazy, so I had to grow tomatoes. And I did it begrudgingly. I was mumbling under my breath. And when I get old, I'm in out of here. I just, I'm going to go to Australia. I was sixty You wonder where my accent comes from. Somebody asked me the other week, where did you get your accent from? Uh, cereal box, I guess. I'd, I grew up in an international school. I went to a national school in Singapore. And I tell you, a few, a few things grew, but that soil was so bad. I think if you ate the little, tiny little tomatoes that grew, it would kill you. <laughs> it was so dead. It was so barren. And when it died, I said, yeah, good. I'm glad you died. <laughs> Show this guy telling me to grow vegetables for my summer holidays. 14 years old. Couldn't hang out at the mall. There wasn't really, there wasn't really a mall in Sri Lanka at the time. Which is one little shopping center. There was nothing much there. But it was so dry. It was so barren. And, and so when I when, when I had to report what I did, I said, Well, look, there's nothing growing in. It. I tried my best. There was absolutely nothing. And I had every excuse under the sun. But Abram didn't use any excuses. He says he didn't consider his own. The limitations of a circumstance and I'm not saying that we should we should be like like sticking our head in the sand and and ignoring reality of what we're facing but always remember that with every reality you've got to factor in the promise of God you've got to factor in the power of his word Abram had no reason to believe. He had absolutely no, no, no kind of justification to believe something that was so barren and impossible. But this, brothers and sisters, is the nature of faith. The nature of faith refuses to allow the excuses to dictate what he was going to believe. And you've got to now elevate your faith to not rest your faith on your natural circumstance. Again, I acknowledge it's bad absolutely but there's another dimension to our lives it's called the word of God it's called the presence of his spirit it's called the promises of God and it's up to you Come on, somebody, it's up to you, it's up to me whether we're going to believe it or not. If you don't want to believe it, that's fine. Go and live your life. But I promise you, if you, like Abram said, I'm going to believe against all hope when there is absolutely no reason to believe but believe God's word, I promise you, God will not fail you. I've got to finish. I, we got some people, they, they, they major in so many excuses, they have a degree in excusiology. Because I said, I'm too old. She, she's too barren. I'm too tired. They'll never listen to me. We're always allowing excuses to rob us of our faith. The Bible, we just read it, said these things happened to Abram. It was imputed to him righteousness so that it could also be imputed unto us. That when God fills us with his spirit, when we have faith, just by, by Abram believing God, Abraham believing God, the Bible says he was justified. That's how powerful faith is. That you are righteous according to God's word. It doesn't, doesn't mean that he never made mistakes. He did. He certainly did like to abimelech the king about it sarah being his sister technically that was kind of true but not really then he followed sarah's plan to have a child with her handmaiden sarah says well you know i can't have kids maybe it's meant to be with with hagar my egyptian handmaiden so here you have a baby with her and notice abraham said okay sure he didn't he didn't fight that (laughs) Of course, polygamy was kind of acceptable back then, though it wasn't the ideal of God's order. But Abram said, sure. (laughs) And then he has a son, Ishmael, which is not the promised son. He tried to get God to accept Ishmael as the promised son. And I think sometimes that's what we like to do. We try to get God to accept our will. You know, I, the, the amount of times people come to me and say, well, you know, pastor, uh, I just want you to, you know, rubber stamp, you know, I, I, this is what I want to do with my life. This is where I want to go. And, you know, you just, you know, I'm just telling you because I want you to rubber stamp. Well, I said, well, have you talked to the Lord? Have you talked to God about it? But it's like I always used to say, you know, when people want to spend time with him, want to see him, they make an appointment, you know, I need to talk to you, pastor. And he would also say, well, have you talked to God first about it? I need to clear my calendar, folks. If you need to talk to me, just talk to, talk to God first. <laughs> and so often, Brother Slacks said, people come back to them and say, yeah, I, you know, Pastor, I don't need to talk to you. And Pastor Slacks like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Not that he didn't enjoy talking to people. But listen, don't, don't choose what you want and expect God to anoint it. You got to give him your all. Amen. You got you to gotta say, God, let your will be done. So many people say, well, I want this to happen in my life, and I just, I believe it's the will of God. Sometimes you can mix up the will of God for what your flesh wants. Oh, pastor, she's the will of God for me. She's so hot. I, is she saved? No, but uh, she's pretty. I, I, I want you to anoint her. No. The Bible says to be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, I think I'm I'm, I'm losing my message here. I'm, I'm delving into other stuff. I, I, I got to finish up. Yeah. Musicians, you can come. God always keeps his word. Isaiah 54 tells us sing, O barren. If you are barren, his commandment is to sing and break forth. Because when you're barren, that's when God comes in. I am convinced this is one of God's favorite things, is the barren. Seventy-five years old, he gets the promise. You would think, God, come on now, it's, I'm 75, can you give me a kid at 76? You know, at least 76. He's, by the time Sarah conceives, he is a hundred years old. As some argue, well, you know, their their physiological condition was different back in those days. I don't know. But I do know, he says, that his body was now dead. There's one thing to get a promise, but it's another thing for that promise to be fulfilled in 25 years. Tell me, are you willing to wait? Are you willing to be patient with God? Trust God. Because so often He God answers in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Yes is good. No, we can handle. But wait, oh, I don't know. It's not until he's 100 that somehow this promise is ultimately fulfilled. Who would have thought? Many times I used to try to, my wife and I, you know, we used to go out on on a Saturday. Always wanted to go to the Jewish Museum in the city. But they're Jews, so it's always closed on Saturdays. So I think we tried for 10 years, could never get there. Finally, we had a a day off during the week. This was many years ago, even before I was working here. If I get there on a Monday. It's amazing if you'd ever get a chance to go to the Jewish Museum because these are God's people and so if you if you don't believe this message today believe God's word through the Jewish people because every Jew that's standing alive in this world right now is a testimony of the promise of God through this old man and this old woman Hitler tried to kill he killed six million of them Tried to wipe them out still to this day israel surrounded by antagonists other nations that hate them and they're constantly they're, they're they're not there's no secret about it they're not hidden about it. they say we're going to push israel off the the map into the sea that's that's their goal but even if you don't believe this message believe god's word that the Jews still alive today they've got the nation of israel again a symbol of the end times of prophecy that's come to pass to show to us that God fulfills His promise, it's a testimony. Every Jew, Amen. So, of you, Sister Emma works; her her employers are Jews, but the Jews' employers are Jews. They are a testimony of the promise of God that God will always fulfill His word. Oh, hallelujah! Would you stand on your feet this morning? I don't know where you're at today, but listen: if you've got some barrenness, if you've got some emptiness whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your finances, maybe it's even just in your own heart that you felt empty and void. Listen to me, with God, nothing is impossible. It, it, you can't, he can't have nothing. If He's there, there's got to be something. Nothing is going to be removed. There's got to be the miracles and the miracle power of God to be manifested in your life. Hallelujah. You've got to know whatever it is that you have, you are favored of God. Hallelujah, if there's a lack in your life, if there's a barrenness, and I I believe that's how people get the Holy Ghost. They get the Holy Ghost when there's an emptiness in their lives and they're so hungry and thirsty for God, when there's this desperation from from the Lord. Nobody, Nobody ever gets the Holy Ghost when they're so full, full of themselves, full of life, full of things. If there's an emptiness and a desperation, when there's a desire, there's an emptiness in your heart to say god fill me he can fill us again afresh and anew in this house he can let his spirit flow through us again would you lift your voices right now in jesus name father we thank you for your presence we thank you for your anointing in this house lord we're asking you lord god to fill us once again lord we're hungry for you we're thirsty for you but god our cupboards are bare our, our, our hearts are, are void lord jesus let your word come let your spirit flow hallelujah in the name of jesus lord give us your holy spirit this day give us your power this day as we come with repentance and faith we come believing in the name of jesus hallelujah i want to invite you to come to the front here step out of your seats if you want to be filled with god's presence and power if you have a need if there's a barrenness in your life Whatever that need is, God promises to meet that need. He says, I will be with you always. Hallelujah. He says, all things are possible to them that believe. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, this morning is your opportunity. You can have this wonderful gift. Why don't we all seek for him? Why don't we all seek once again for a fresh flow of the Spirit of God? Let's thirst again for him. Let's desire again for him a fresh and a new We want you, Lord. We don't want stuff. We want you. Hallelujah. This altar is open. Why don't you pray? If you've never prayed a prayer of repentance to be reconciled to your God, simply talk to him with your own words. Say, God, I want you. I need you. He will. He will come to you. He will answer you. Ministers, ministers, wives, husbands, leaders, Leaders, spouses, why don't you come and pray for those that are here this morning? Hallelujah. I trust in God. Come on. Connect
1: with leaders. Come on. Right
0: Connect with leaders, wives. Say. Hey.